Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. And so today I'm going to be ministering on uh, having a life of overcoming, a victorious overcoming life. And since we're doing this series on relationships and that, I was thinking about, you know, uh, every year there's the month of February where you see hearts everywhere, you see all kinds of candy shaped into hearts and bags with hearts on it, cards with hearts on it, all this stuff about love, but people don't really know what love is. Because if they don't have God, they don't really have love. The source of love is God. And thank God we have him and we can operate in love and we should operate in love. So we, we cannot uh, manifest love just because we go to church or we fellowship with people. We have to spend time in his presence to draw from the source of love. See, everything you have has to have a source. It's just like electrical. You've got to plug into a source to get electricity. It's here. But until you plug into it, you're not getting any electricity. Until you plug into God, you're not going to have the source of love manifesting in your life. It's there. It's, it's, it's in you. I'm going to show you that. But you've got to plug in and spend time with him and, and develop this love life. And um, so the Lord has given us great power to operate on this earth. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is the demonstration of God's love. And I'm going to read that scripture to you in Galatians 5, and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result... Of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You can't stop it. There's no law against these. Now just to explain this, if you see this, it's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'm reading in the Amplified. It says the fruit... Fruit, singular. Why does it say fruit of the Spirit when I've just given you a whole list of them? Because love is the fruit. The manifestation of love are those other ones I've listed and given to you. Those are love's manifestation. When you walk in love, you'll manifest yourself in peace. You'll be patient. You'll be kind. You'll be good. You'll be faithful. You'll be gentle. You'll be self-control. So those are the manifestations. But you, any, any fruit, it, it can grow, it can develop, it can produce other fruit. So as you, can, as you walk in love, you can release the love of God as a seed and put it into other people's lives. Say, I'm, I'm going to release love to you. I'm going to release kindness to you. And, uh, you know, that, that will manifest in your life and you can develop it and strengthen it in your life. So it's an important part. Sometimes we don't realize the importance of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is in us when we receive Jesus. We have to develop it. We have to manifest it. We've got to walk in it. And 1 John 4, 11 through 13 tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us in this incredible way, we also ought to, ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another with unselfish concern, God abides in us. And his love, the love that is his essence, abides in us and is completed and perfected in us. By this we know with confident assurance that we abide in him and he in us because he has given to us what? His Holy Spirit. See, he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the fruit of, that, of the Holy Spirit. We, we have the fruit. We have to operate it. But it, we know him. He's complete in us. He abides in us. So we should walk in the love of God. 
we, we are the greatest source of love because the source lives in us. Yeah. Tap in. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. The, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be acting like the world. It's a supernatural ability we walk in. It's a divine love. It sets us apart from the world. Uh, this fruit always has the ability, again, to produce and reproduce. People ought to be drawn to you because of the love of God. This is, they say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. What is it that attracts me to them? It's the love of God. It's the presence of God. Yeah. That's his presence is his love. Yeah. You, when you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of love. Yeah. You can't have, and you shouldn't be after walking in his, out of his presence, walking out. You shouldn't walk in anger and unforgiveness and all these other things that the world walks in. You should resist those things. Say, no, that's not a part of my nature. Sure, you you remember that old nature. You remember walking in anger and walking in these things. Like I mentioned last couple of weeks ago when I talked about what I did to Ed and threw a shoe at him. <laughs> but there you go again. I have to give some example because that's how long ago it was. Over, you know, <laughs> years ago. But you know what? But I grew. I grew in this nature. I had to set aside those, the, that lifestyle and that attitude and the anger. I had to, that, that's the flesh trying to come up again. Is that sometimes there's a war, there's a battle, there's a fight. Your, war against, your, your body wars against itself saying, I, I want to be angry. No, in Jesus' name, I'm going to walk in love. When you feel anger come on you, you ought to start praying in tongues. So let's draw, stir up that, the power of the Holy Ghost in you. You say, no, I'm not going to, I don't care who or what they say. I'm not going to do that because some way, somehow, I'm going to minister to this person. I'm going to touch this person. I'm going to change this person's life. I had a, a lady on the job that, um, you know, it was hard to get along with her because she cussed all the time. She was so worldly. And I, you know, I was working at Traveler's Insurance, and I was like, oh, Lord. And you know what? God gave me her as a project to develop the love of God in me. You know, it was for me, not just her, but it was for her, too. I had no idea that when I touched her life, it would transform her life, her children, her grandchildren to come. She has one grandchild, I should say. But isn't that awesome? I, let, and I, I had things in common because we were both Italian. We were both raised Catholic. We both worked at the same company. So I determined, okay, I'm just going to overlook her, her ways because she doesn't know any better. She doesn't know Jesus. Stop blaming them because how they are. Without Jesus, they're lost. They have, there's no light. But you are the light of the world. So I had to step out of my comfort zone and go after her. And that woman is Tanya Pias, who is Henry's wife, who many of you know is a, you know, a pastor in Riverside that we've been friends with for over 40 years. We were in their wedding. He sang in our wedding. And, you know, and I, I think about how important it was God said to love her. Look what love did to this day. They're serving the Lord. Their children serving the Lord. Now they have a grandchild. I said, how important it was that I reach that young lady. We were young. We were in our 20s, you know, early, early 20s. Because I got married just turning 21. And we were friends by then. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't, I'm not going to say it was an easy thing to do. And I was young in the Lord too. But I just knew that I had to set aside all those things that I naturally felt about her and said, There's, she's worth reaching. Every person is worth reaching. And I don't care how honorary they are or how, uh, you know, what a pain in the neck they are. And so, you know, and, and family can be that way. Anybody can be that way. But you've got to say, no, you know what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in that world. Greater. And I'm going to draw from the greater one. The, I'm going to draw from the source of love. 
and demonstrate the love of God. And that's what's going to touch them. That's what's going to get them to want to know who he, him who I know, the man I know. They'll want to know him. And it, it did. It turned her life around. I had no idea that I could make such an impact on one person's life. And, and then their impact on the, the people that they touch now, today even. I have a part in that because I led her to the Lord. Praise God. It goes on my record. So glory. <laughs> Amen. So the greatest ability and power of God that you can walk in is a demonstration of love. Uh, faith works by love, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you want faith to operate in your life, faith works by love. Then your faith, in turn, will please God. So it, it's like, it, it, this is all working together. So you've got to walk in the love of God so you can have your faith at, at work, and so you can bless God and that you become pleasing to Him. When a person lives in stress, worry, anger, it causes ulcers, high blood pressure, and all kinds of internal problems. That, so not just does it hurt you spiritually, it hurts you naturally. You can't live in all this unforgiveness and anger and fears and worries and frustrations. It's going to do something to your insides because it's real. You may not be able to touch it. You can't, you know, they can't open you up and say, oh, I'm going to pull out that anger. Oh, I'm going to, you know, because it's in the head. You know that even when you think of biological, you can't even move your arm unless your brain tells it to. It does it so fast. See, when I go like that, my brain told my hand to move. Okay? And same thing, if, if I have anger, it, it will tell me to do stuff. Out of my head, I'll start reacting and saying things I shouldn't say. So same thing, your body tries to take over. It tries to control you. It tries to make you carnal, not spiritual. And you've got to say, it says, cast down. The Corinthians says, cast down every imagination that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. It says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You have to do it. I can't, you pray for me that I won't be angry. No, you, you do it. You stop trying to put it on others to try to get rid of your, you know, faults or failures. No, you, 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 you bind that thing. Say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm not a person of anger. I'll not allow that to live in me anymore. So you have to t- take hold of it and say, no more. I may have been raised that way. I may have gone through so much, but I'm, I'm putting all that aside. That's of the past. It's not my present. It's not going to be my future. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast down all those things that would exalt itself against the knowledge that I have in God, the life I have in Him. So when a person, uh, again, lives in stress or worry, it causes physical challenges. And even, they say even cancer comes from people carrying stress and anger and situations happening. People have had where they've had something traumatic happen to them and immediately their hair turns gray because of stress and situations. It attacks the body in all areas. So it's not worth living in those things because they're, they're killing you. You know, and the Bible says we have life. How can we be putting in life, the word, and then bringing out death by our attitudes and our actions. So we have to get rid of it, no matter what. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, also to you now. It says, so put aside. See, so you have to put it aside. Every trace of malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy. And yes, and all slander and hateful speech. Like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the word. So that by it you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation, its ultimate fulfillment. So you have to put aside 
all these deceits and hypocrisies and malice and envy and slander. And it says, and hateful speech. Oh, my gosh. We all know how to do these things, but we, don't, we know how, but we shouldn't operate in them, even though we know how to. And, you know, do you know that uh, I read a, an article that when a, when a mother nurses her baby, if she's full of anger and bitterness, the milk it turns to poison to the baby. But if, if she is walking in, in loving her child, it's sweet milk. So I just think, that's what I'm saying, it, it, it's a, it, it comes out somewhere or another. So that's why it says to receive the sincere milk of the word. It says, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation. So you, that's how you grow in the love of God is you read the word and keep putting that word and you're feeding your spirit man, developing that fruit of the spirit. It, it comes like in a seed form, but you develop it. You develop it into kindness. You develop it into peace. You, you develop it in all those manifestations. You develop it. And it, it takes work. It's working on you, not working on somebody else. See, we always want somebody else to change. But it takes us changing. It takes us saying, okay, I'm, I'm not going to lower myself and act like that. I'm going to rise above this situation. I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. And Pastor Art, when uh, he first got saved, he says his mother would try to argue with him. And it's funny because, you know, <laughs> before he got saved... He was, he was living an ungodly life. But that didn't matter to her. No, you were living an ungodly life. Yes, yes, you. But my example is the only one I know that, you know, I can relate to. Yes, then I changed. But, you know, his mom would argue with him because he was going to church. Did that make sense? Here he was taking drugs and running around and she didn't ever say anything. But as soon as he started going to church with me, she was mad at him and arguing with him. This is true, right? It was. Yeah. yeah. So he said he, he would you know, kind of argue back with her. Finally, the Lord told him, stop it. Love her. Amen. Just Amen. love her. And that's what he started doing. He, every time she would start up, he would just tell her, Mom, I love you. And, you know, that's what won her to the Lord. Yeah. Think of that. Through that, his whole household saved now. His mom's in heaven. Because he wasn't going to sit there and argue with her what he was doing. He knew what he was doing was right, but she couldn't see it. To her, he left the Catholic Church. That was, you know, her thing. But through it, we were able to win her to the Lord and get her filled with the Holy Ghost. And her and, and, you know, our dad. I mean, on and on. But it was because of the word God gave him. Love her. So, you know, reacting and fighting with people over your faith or you're going to church, it's not going to win them. You're never going to win them by anger. And, and being upset with them, they don't understand it. They don't stand why, understand why you tithe or give, why you go to church and serve God. But let your light so shine before men that they will glorify God. Be that light of the world. So, you know, it, it caused a turnaround in his whole household. All his brothers are saved. His sister, all her family, other children, his, all his, grand, uh, his nieces and nephews are all saved. His dad, 95, is saved. Isn't that awesome? But it started with us, just two. You see how it multiplies? Not counting all the hundreds of thousands that we've reached by being in the ministry and serving God all these years. But it started first with his mother, the one closest to him. And he just determined, I'm not going to be angry with her. I'm going to not sit here and try to fight with her about it. And it t- t- turned around. And So what we did for her is to reach to her because 
at that time, there was, there was a very strong move in the, the Catholic Church of the Charismatic Masses. And so we used to take her to charismatic Bible studies at the Catholic Church with your, your priests and Catholics praying in the Holy Ghost. It was in the 70s. It was an awesome time. <laughs> it was only a short window when that door was open where you could go in and go to these um, separate masses and get, get people filled. And that's how my dad got touched. That's how his... And eventually they left the Catholic Church because they were hungry for the Holy Ghost and the move of God and the Word of God, that they had to have something more. But that's what we started. We went with her where she would go and let her see that this is real. And it turned her life around. And um, Pastor our minister, I think, last week about that, about how, you know, a, a Christian, she went with us to a Christian event, and that person speaking to her gave her a word that her husband was coming home. And, and he did come home that night, and he did turn his life around. He did ask God to forgive him. He, he made a turnaround in his life. And they became great members of our church for many, many years, serving in the ministry. And, you know, it's, it's neat that not only did we went into the Lord, but through our lifestyle and our livelihood, we were able to bring them in as a part of our ministry. And his dad was an usher. My, his, my mother-in-law, she was a hostess. And, uh, and she used to help in hospitality. They, they, they gave their whole lives to serving in the ministry. And that is, it's neat when you think about that, how you, you just never know when you touch somebody what it's going to do to transform their life and turn it around. So we, so we should speak words of comfort and build up people. This is allowing God's love to flow through us. Uh, now, I'm going to read another scripture. I've got a few scriptures I'm going to go through. Uh, Matthew 12, 35. Uh, through 37, it says, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man from his inner good treasure brings out good things. And the evil man from his uh, inner evil treasure brings out evil things. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account, an accounting for every careless or useless word they speak. For by your words, reflecting your spiritual condition... You will be justified and acquitted of the guilt of sin. And by your words, rejecting me, you would be condemned and sentenced. We always say that it's the power of your words. Your words are acquitting you from sin or, or convicting you. By your own words, you receive the Lord. By your own words, you ask God to forgive you. You, you do these things by your words. It's a confession of your faith, confession of your mouth. So by your words, you're reflecting, it says, your spiritual condition. Um, you know, in the natural, a doctor can put a, a little stick on your tongue and tell you what's wrong with you. Well, let me talk to you for like five minutes and I can tell you what's wrong with you. I can tell you what you're saying wrong, doing wrong. It's not what you say in church. It's what you say at home. It's what you say on the job. You know, in church you may not say, you, may not, you know better than to speak sickness and disease and uh, and all those things. But at home, if you're always saying, oh, I'm sick as a dog. Okay, go ahead. Get a bone. Be sick as a dog. But you don't realize you're saying things that's contrary to what you believe. Oh, I'm so sore. I don't know if I can make it today. I think I'll just stay home. I need to rest. And You know, you, you use excuses for why you say these things. No excuse is when, you, when you're speaking contrary to the Word of God. You've got to put a watch on your mouth. And say, enough is enough. I'm tired of speaking. I'm tired of speaking of sickness and disease. I'm going to speak life. Because it says, life and death is in the power of your tongue. You choose life. It says, so that you and your seed may live. 
You got you to guard yourself. One thing good with living with Pastor Art and him living with me, we, we catch each other. We, we correct each other. If I say something wrong, he catches me. Joanne, don't say that. Whether it's about healing, whether it's about finances, he, he's, he's up on it. And it's good for me. I might not like it. I don't like to be corrected, but I... I but, no, no, I don't. But you know what? If I'm smart enough, I'll listen. And I'll say, okay, you're right. Darn it. <laughs> you got me. But, you know, we both, we both catch each other. And, and if you have friends like that, thank God you have somebody that catches you and, and corrects you. So, you know, I don't like it. You know, we, as adults, we, don't want, we feel like, I don't, I'm very well corrected from growing up. I don't be corrected. But take it and say, you know what? I'm going to be better with it. You're saying it for my good because you caught something. I said something that was not out of my spirit, man. It was out of my head. It was a wrong word. Maybe I said something about somebody. Um, don't be talking about people that way. See, he's protecting me. He's correcting me to protect my life, my, my livelihood, my, my future. He's correcting me. So by your words, it's reflecting your spiritual condition. And you will be justified. And it says, and acquitted means set free. You're acquitted. You're free from sin and sickness and poverty. Or, by, or, or the guilt of sin and in, by your words rejecting me, you will be condemned and sentenced. People will be drawn to you by the fruit of the Spirit, and then you can minister them by the gifts of the Spirit. Let them be drawn by the fruit, and then just supernaturally, God will give you words to minister to them, to help them. Just say, God, show me something that I can give to them that they'll know this is you, Lord. There's something significant about the words I speak. May it be hope, may it be help. One time I remember I had a um, young lady who was in a line in my uh, women's meeting. And I laid hands on her, and I immediately, it was a line for women that wanted to have children. And I immediately, as soon as I laid hands on her, I said, don't get the, um, those pills. The pills, what were they called there, to cause you to have, fertility, that's the word, to have fertility pills. It was a warning. It was a correct, it, by the fruit that brought her into these meetings, but by the gifts I ministered to her, to her, don't do that. And she didn't. She said, and later she told me that was going to be my next step, was the fertility pills. I don't know why God said no, but God knows. And she ended up getting pregnant and having a child. See, but I, I ministered to her by, by the meetings of the fruit. The, 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 she enjoyed what we had, the atmosphere, the, what we produced. But by ministering to her one-on-one, I was able to help her in her future and her child. And who knows what? I don't know what God was protecting her from, but it was a word of warning by the Spirit of God. So let people be drawn to you by your fruit, by your kindness, your goodness, your acts of kindness. And then as they're drawn to you, say, Lord, give me something, whether in prayer for them, so I can pray and agree for them, or that I can speak to them, something that would transform their life. So, uh, and many times we provide Satan an advantage in our mind when we don't forgive. Our mind can become Satan's target because if he can affect the way we think, then he can alter our future. Our greatest weapon is the fruit of the Spirit. So don't allow unforgiveness in your life. I don't care, I don't care if they deserve it. You know, you didn't deserve forgiveness, but God gave you his son and gave you forgiveness when you didn't deserve it. So the same way since Jesus is in you, then now you forgive. And you may say, well, you know what they did? It didn't matter what they did. What are you doing with it? 
Because you don't forgive them for them. You forgive them for you. Because you've got to walk in this skin. You've got to... Um, there was a, an account, um, Art told me this, in, in the Bible at, at times, when, when people killed somebody, they would attack... If I'm saying it right, they would put them on their back, tie them to their back. Excuse me, is that correct? And they just let that person rot on their back until eventually it killed them. And that's what you do when you have unforgiveness. You're carrying them on your back. They're out at the beach. They're out at Disneyland. They're, you know, they're having their fun. And you're over here walking around with a snoot in the face and complaining and griping, getting sicker and sicker. For what? Do they deserve more of you? Whatever they took from you or whatever they did to you was enough. Wipe your hands clean and said, no, I'm not going to carry this thing. In Jesus' name, it's not worth carrying this unforgiveness because it doesn't free me. It doesn't change things. I, I can't make them say they're sorry. Someday they will open their eyes and see what they did was wrong. But, you know, God brings the restitution. He, he's the one. He's your advocate. He is, means he's your attorney. Whether it's a job that did you wrong, whether it's a person, a boss, a family member, oh, it's the hardest thing to get rid of. And it's the one thing you have to do in order that you can walk free. You have to say, I, I forgive them, Father, as an act of my will. They may not deserve it. And stop saying, but, you know, you know don't, and don't ever tell somebody, I apologize. Don't say you're sorry because that means pitiful. Just say, I apologize. And don't say, but, I mean, that's a good one. Yeah, get the butt out of there. <laughs> and just say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to be the bigger person about this. Because every day you have the opportunity to, to, to face people with their attitudes and, uh, and their personalities every day. And you've got to say, stop, um, you know, thank God the love of God abounds in me. Thank God for the fruit of the Spirit. Um, as you walk out that door, say, thank you today, Father. I'm going to be an instrument of righteousness. I'm going to fulfill your plan and purpose for my life. So, Ephesians 4.31, I don't think I've read that yet. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding, and slander be put away from you, uh, along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, mal, mal, this is male violence. <laughs> be kind. And helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So we must forgive, just as He forgave us. But see, all those things try to come in us; they're not of our nature. That's that old nature. You're free from it. Wash yourself free. Be free of those things. And the last scripture I want to give you is Luke two fifty-two. It says, "And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature." and in favor with God and man. So we should increase in the wisdom of God, in favor with God and people. As we walk out our doors, wherever we go, thank you, Father, I have favor today. Thank you, people are attracted to me because of the wisdom I walk in, the love of God I walk in, the, the kindness, the goodness. Sometimes that's all, it just takes as an act of goodness and kindness that will attract somebody. Sometimes it's giving something to them. Just being a blessing to them. You don't know what, you know, just things like that it can attract somebody and cause them to hear what you have to say. Hear the good things that are in you. Because, you know, maybe just taking them out to lunch and 
said, just like I said with Tanya, I didn't want to spend time with her. I'd, have to, I'd go to lunch and she'd be there and I would have to sit with her and talk with her. But, you know, it was so hard. But I had no idea 40 years later I'd be friends with her. Yeah, isn't that something? But I had to put my flesh aside and say, I'm going to sit here because she's worth it. Her life is, every life is worth it. No matter what, what, how they act, what they do, they cannot resist the love of God. The love of God is what brought you to him. So how important it is for you to attract people with the love of God. So I'm going to turn this right over to Pastor Art. I think we're going to... Friend, that was awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate you admitting that you sometimes you get a little angry. Appreciate that. <laughs> Amen. That was good. That was good. Um, she did lead Jesus, lead Tony to the Lord, but there's a story behind that. She used to co, co uh, back then, she would share ride with a woman. And there was a woman, that, and uh, they would take turns driving over there. And the woman one day didn't come to pick Joanne up. Older woman didn't come to pick Joanne up. Joanne, I just, she's just born again. And uh, the woman didn't come, and uh, Joanne got concerned about this and put a phone call in and got the message. Uh, while she was getting showering, getting dressed to go to work, she passed away. She had a heart attack. Joanne took that so hard. It wasn't just a co-worker. All of a sudden, Joanne looked at me with tears in her eyes, just weeping uncontrollably. She said, all of these days and weeks and months and times, I shared the gospel but really never shared it with her. And she never accepted Jesus Christ. And that is what affected her. And she said, I'll never let something or some other situation stop me from preaching the gospel. So when she met Tanya, she thought of that woman. And what made her plow through all her emotions... It wasn't about time. Uh, listen, uh, I'm going to use the word here, so please don't get upset at me, because people get upset with all kinds of words today. Uh, and I don't mean this in any way, okay? I don't mean defender, but okay. And, and so if you're a psychologist, psychiatrist, don't, don't get upset. Okay. But uh, people can't drive you crazy unless you give them the keys. They just can't do it. There's just no way. So, so, so they can be them, but they should never. You should never allow somebody to change you from being you. And if you're a believer, then then you've got to work on this. And so, uh, then when she was talking about this, she needed to tell the whole story, which that's a whole different thing. But but that's what made her her soul winning. That's what made her that soul winner. It hurt her to the core that that she didn't know if that woman entered heaven or not, and that hurt and that that went down on the core of her spiritual being, not just her natural physical. I'm a friend, and we drive to work and all that. More than that, to her, 
And that's what made her the soul-winning, passionate woman that she is today. And that's why it hurts her when people hurt today. And that's, that's been hurt. Her, her, it's just increased. She doesn't carry weights, but she carries people. And praise for people. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, uh, where we're building relationships, the development of family and friends and relationships, makes a statement. Uh, uh, iron sharpens iron. And, and I added this to this. So one man or, or woman sharpens another. Uh, nobody was designed to be alone. In, in, the, in the book of Genesis, uh, God created Adam. And after giving Adam all this authority, all this power, all of this, all of this, uh, uh, I mean, give him the planet. He had everything. And he said, uh, but it's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. And so uh, God created for him a help meet. Now, not a help mate, a help meet. And help meet has nine different definitions to it that are the same definitions used to describe who the Holy Spirit is to us in John 14 and 16, especially out of the Amplified Bible. The comforter, the standby, the intercessor. Amen. So what a, what a, 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 a man who's looking for a friend in a woman who he'll eventually marry is a comforter. A standby, an intercessor. Amen. Not just somebody who kisses good. Amen. We'll come on this side. Amen. Because this is important that we understand that. I'm not saying you don't have to kiss good, but I'm just saying that, that that's not. That that's from a natural standpoint. God was a saying, listen, Adam, I saw you name all the animals and, and you can't kiss any of those because they, that, so I got to make you help me to kiss you. That wasn't what he was saying. That wasn't what he was saying. And he wasn't saying when he said to multiply, he wasn't talking physically, although it included it. He was saying, multiply my nature, my image. Multiply my image. So when you become a friend with somebody that you may potentially have be in friendship for years, or if you're uh, and and uh, God created gender, man, forget Mars and Venus. You didn't come from there. You were created out of the very words and plan of God, and God's plan was man and woman. He made male and female. End of the story. There should be no confusion. If you have all of the equipment of a male, you're a male. If you have all the equipment of a woman, you are a woman. There's no confusion. And we don't have to change any doctrines or any kind of anything to get along. You're male, you're male, you're female, you're female. And males grow up to be men. Amen. And females grow up to become women. Thank you for all those. Amen. This is, uh, listen, I don't care what the government says. I don't care what's popular. 
Amen. Does it does it matter? God was God was God's not stupid. And and people that make the statement that there was a um, a distortion in a in a cell and it's and it isn't correctly in there so that's what makes a man feel like a woman or makes a woman feel like a man if that were true then god messed up and let me help you here god doesn't mess up well god 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 put me in a in a male body but i'm really a woman let every man be a liar God cannot lie. Okay. I'm, this is awesome. So, I'm sharpening you today. You're staring at me. Yeah. You say, this is political. No, it's not. It's creation. It is creation. We're dealing with creation. God created. God, God did this. God created this. Amen. I've said this for years. I've been saying this for years. Why is it that, it, it, let me help you. If they found uh, what they considered just a, um, a, a cell uh, of a man and a woman in, in, the, in the first few weeks and the, and the seed germinated the egg and they found that on Mars, do you know what would be in the paper? Life on Mars. But the same brilliant mindsets say in a woman's body, not a real, not alive, not a person. So, again, you could be bright, not right. And you could be in church and not know the Bible. I have a car. I don't know the engine. I've never opened it up. Something happened, I take it to somebody. What's wrong? I don't know. That's what it does. I don't know. I can't even tell you what it does. That's all it does. (laughs) All right? Is anybody else with me? Okay. Thank you for those looks. Five of you. The rest of you going, no, I'm not going to admit it. I'm not admitting that. All right, so, so iron sharpens iron. So a man or a woman, you've got to combine them together. Or in other words, iron sharpens iron, so mankind uh, sharpens another. So you need somebody to sharpen you. No one can, uh, I made this statement to you in regards to this, uh, and I'm using the term, so don't be offended. Crazy people bring drama into your life. There, there are a lot of people, and, and don't and you you have you have some family members. Yeah, yeah, you have family members. You you shake the tree, you shake the tree enough, some nuts are gonna fall out. Fruit on one side, nuts. Okay, what? How? You we all have them. You shake the church enough, there's some. Drama. There's some drama queens 
and some drama kings in church. Don't look around because you might be sitting next to one. So don't, don't look around. I said, don't look around. <laughs> don't look at you. Oh, okay. <laughs> the very first thing that, that when you deal with this in iron sharpening iron, stop looking for people that are always emotional. Because their emotions create their distorted motions. And what they do is they that's where the drama begins. Is that they're always unloading on you, taxing you. There are four things, and I don't have time to get into the four things today, but let me help you here. Four things that develop great relationships, which will develop great change in your life. Are you ready? Number one is commitment. If you're going to be a friend to somebody, you must be committed first to God to discover how committed they are to God. You must be committed to the relationship to work it out. When you get married, you don't know everything about them. They don't know everything about you. Are you with me? When you join the church, you don't know everything about everybody. When you go to work, you don't know everything about everybody. You get hired, you meet a few people, maybe one. If you got hired online, you met nobody. <laughs> and then you go in and you meet people and you think they're going to like you. <laughs> and you walk in on the first day and, you know, and all of a sudden it's going to be nice. It's going to be wonderful. Somebody might be mad that you got that job. Amen? Are you, and, and then there are individuals that are jealous that you're there and they'll lie on you. Or they'll lie to others. Maybe not to management or other individuals. There are people that will join churches and they like the church. But other people say, well, I like my church small. Other people say, I like the church big. Uh, I, I like it this way. I, that pastor's my friend, not your friend. He's looking at me. Uh, you know, I went out with pastor and he didn't go out with you and nah, nah, nah. I mean, you know, so, uh, and, and so commitment, you have to be committed. You have to be committed. Number two is communication. There must be communication and communication takes, uh, it, it literally takes conversation. You need to be able to to, uh, to converse with each other. So communication is important. God said he communicated. He spoke to the emptiness. He communicated. And God said, let there be light. He communicated. Jesus spoke, communicated. He spoke to disease. He communicated. He spoke to death. He communicated. The spirit of the living God. The word of God is our communication. So we've got a communication. So we've got to learn how to communicate with one another. You ever notice when people get mad, they don't like talking? And sometimes they don't even like looking at each other. It's amazing how many men are hungry but won't admit it when they're mad. 
And you want something to eat? Mm. Well, I made something to eat. Mm-hmm. <coughs> then the wife leaves the room and they run to the kitchen. Men communicate sometimes when they're angry, fleshly, solical when they get mad. They'll get in their car, slam the car, and burn rubber and leave the driveway. I'll show you. All you're doing is wearing out your tires. That's all you're doing. Take the cabin door. Slam, slam, slam. Show you. Then you break the door. Then you've got to fix it. And you don't know how. Am I right? And then women don't realize that that uh, trying to have a conversation when he's upset, you're saying the right things at the wrong time. Amen? So that's what a man refers to as nagging. Wow. So... Because it's important to realize the difference between the genders, not Mars and Venus. The genders are different. Men are logical. And women are emotional and logical. They don't know. No, come on. You've got to know this. Men, men, men are different. Where was Adam when he was doing what she was doing? She was both being logical and emotional. That's a tree. I shouldn't be there, but emotionally, that I would like a taste from that. <laughs> are, are so there, there, and we've got to realize that's why he said it's the woman you gave me. He was being logical. It's the woman you gave me. So we think that way, men. We got to realize that that, that well, there's a difference in how we communicate. And that's why when men get together, that's why they don't talk deep. Because they don't want to give away their self. We were trained, don't cry. Don't show any weakness. It's, it's, a, it's wrong. We're tough. Tough it out. It doesn't matter if you're buff or not. It doesn't matter. You, you, you know, you, you could be as skinny as a twig and still think you're buff. <laughs> and I'm not crying. I'm not going to cry. Not me. <laughs> not me. And that's why men like watching the movies that blow them up and, and different kind of things. We'll get together. Men will get together. And that's why when they're small, they get together and they play sports because they don't have to talk. Okay, you go out four yards and we'll throw the ball. After the whole thing's over, hey, you want to play next week? We're going to play next week. Yeah, sure. And women? No, no. They get together and then they'll talk and converse. And you want, do you want to go have some tea? Men have never ordered tea on their own. Men don't have our tea. Men, men don't get to... You want to go for tea? <laughs> I was thinking that. Let me finish fixing my truck with the Hemi, and then we'll go get some tea. Men, men don't do this. Men don't do this. Men don't wear jerseys. You want some tea at the game? Men don't do this. We just don't. 
We don't need a doily. We'll just use our hands and get mustard and ketchup everywhere. Um, That's a men's fellowship. That's <laughs> just the way it is. We have a dining table. It's a beautiful dining table. Beautifully decorated. You can't sit at it. Because it's for looks. Get the TV tray. I got a TV tray. I know. But that's my beautiful bride. She likes to decorate it. She'd spend hours decorating and put the right dolls up over there. And over, over put, put everything right. Everything's got to match. As soon as the season's over, it's up. It's great. And me? Get a paper plate, please. Just, just feed me. <laughs> Case communication. Number three. Uh, this is very important. A common cause. A common cause. And, and uh, your common cause. You have to have a common goal of what you're attempting to do. Listen, if you're, if you're, if you're, a, man, if you're a man or a woman and you are uh, a Christian, then you ought to be looking for friends that are Christians. If you are a Christian who has a call on their life, then you should have friends that know they're called. If you are... Um, male or female, and you're looking for friends, then you ought to, and, and you're looking for somebody to associate with and eventually marry, then you ought to know that they're called and they're involved with people. If you see, I love Joanne. One of the reasons I love her, not the only reason, but, but a reason is because she loves people. You, you, you may not see her here. Is this it? That's for Sophia. It's for her birthday today. <laughs> Sophia, this is a, a, she thinks about this. Joanne goes out shopping for kids' birthday presents. This is every week. Every week, she leaves the house to go shopping for kids. Every week. Now, once in a while, every week. And she, as you'll see her under here, she's got stuff here for kids and stuff like that. I don't get anything. This is for the rest of the little girls. It'll come to her. She'll sit right here. All the little girls run up. I think I'm going to start coming up and see what I get. But, but, but I mean, you, you, I, uh, but she does this. This is her, her gifting. Why? Because I'm a pastor. I needed a wife who was compassionate. What would you think if I pastored the church and my wife never showed up? What would you think of me as a husband, as the head of the house, as a man of God? What would you think? What, do you, what would you think if I'm the pastor, but she's attending another the church? I'd throw a shoe at her. <laughs> no, no what, what would happen? But see, we, we do that with each other in congregation, but would never think about this this way. She is a, uh, the, one of the reasons that I, I am who I am is because of who she is. We have a common cause. Why do, I, why do I get to travel? Why have I been to 18 different countries? Why have I been able to preach the gospel? Why when, my, when she, our, our, our oldest son was just an infant and, uh, and she was pregnant with, with Brent, 
that she let me travel for 18 days with Dr. Summerall. Why did, at that time, you could go to the gate. Why did she stand at the gate? Why did she She goes, you go. You need this. You go. I got the home. Man. And there was no cell phones back there. You couldn't text. You couldn't do, you couldn't do nothing. You, you, could, you couldn't. You could you could do that, and I I wasn't I didn't know I didn't know back then that how bad I snored till I slept with somebody a guy who was from another state and we're in the room and the first night I got hit with a pillow. And he was from Arkansas and he he slapped me with a pillow. Bam! What's that? He goes, "You snore like a dying cow. How does your wife put up with you?" I never I never. And number one, I've never heard a dying cow. And I mean, it smacked me. I didn't know. The next night, he did it again. And then he said, if you do it again, I'm dragging you over to Lester Summerall's room and cast whatever's in you out. Because this is not godly. It can't be. The sounds you make are just, they're horrible. How does your wife put up with you? Because she loved me. Now she wears earplugs, I guess. Is that what you do? <laughs> I'm not the only one. When you get married, you don't know stuff. You don't know. I don't know. I didn't know she laughs in her sleep. I have no idea. And it's scary. When I first heard it, it was scary. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. See, I grew up on, on scary movies, monster movies. So I grew up on that before I was born again. So when you wake up, when you hear, <laughs> you go, what's, 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 what's in there? What is that? How many are there? Is that a legion? <laughs> it almost sounds like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> what? what? What's that? But we... But we're a common cause. <laughs> Together. We have one common cause. To see people helped, help glorify God. And this is very important. If you're going to have a good relationship, whoever you're in a relationship with, when you walk away from them, and your friends, you develop a friendship. When you go home that night, you should have a clear conscience. We, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't watch anything wrong. Our relationship was clear. And so this, this is important that we understand, that we, that we get a hold of this and, and, and acquire this. So uh, commitment, I want to deal, just very briefly, let me deal with this commitment. It means a commitment to, uh, to, uh, to activities that honor great covenant relationships by actively hearing and not just casually living. Let me say that again. Commitment to activities that honor great covenant relationships by actively hearing and not just casually listening. Uh, today, it's so common today, please, when you're at the table, put your phone away. 
put your phone down. Put it on silent. It, and, 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 and listen and look at the person that you're conversing with. And have a conversation. Let me say it again. Commitment to activities that honor great covenant relationships by actively hearing, not just casually living. Faith cometh by hearing, Scripture says. So if we don't hear the gospel, not just read it, hear the gospel. See, if you're in here and you're playing games on your phone or texting people, you're not hearing. I do know, and I don't know how the statistics true go, who, who does what. I've, I'm 66. I've never been polled one day in my life. Nobody's ever asked me for a statistic, a poll. I don't know. I don't know where they get the polls from. I don't know who they ask. I don't know if it's the same people. I don't, I don't know. But they said that, that, that statistically speaking, that a person blanks out every seven minutes from what you're saying. They, they blank out. They, in other words, I'm bored with this. What? Every seven minutes. So every seven minutes, some of you go. <laughs> uh, statistically, I didn't say you do. I just it's just from a statistical standpoint. And they say most people quit listening to you after 30 minutes. So think about that in a relationship. Think about that. See, men, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Edwin Lewis Cole taught, me, taught us all this. He said, uh, back in the day it was newspapers because we had newspapers back then. Some of you may remember those. <laughs> newspapers? Okay. Um, and, and in a newspaper, the front page had the headline. The big headline for the day. And then a man would go home and say, you know what? Such and such happened. And the woman would say, when? I don't know. Where? I don't know. Who was involved? I don't know. See, because women want details. Do you ever notice that when Queen of Sheba went to go see Solomon, she came in, she had her, she had our gifts and everything else, but the Bible said she noticed how everybody was dressed. She noticed how the table was set. She noted how, how everybody was happy. His workers were all happy. All the people that served, they were all content. They were all happy. And she said this, they are better dressed and they are more prosperous than the people that live in my kingdom. And so she asked the question, she wanted some wisdom, but she brought a gift equal to the amount of wisdom she wanted. And she said, but here's what she she noticed. See, most don't notice things. They just walk in and they don't pay attention. Men, men don't do that. I, I may go to somebody's home, and uh, a, a minister's home, and I'll go to the living room, and that's as far as I go, unless I go to the restroom. Janice say, well, what did the kitchen look like? I don't know. I don't know. No. How about the other rooms? How high was the ceiling? I, I wasn't looking. I was just, I went to go. <laughs> we, we rode on the play with Jesse Duplantis, and so she's on the plane. And she's looking at the seats and feeling the seats. I, I was just glad to be able to play. I just sat down. <laughs> but Joanne was feeling the seats and looking around and asking, you know, questions that she, she would never retrieve that knowledge again. 
how many pilots they have, what kind of equipment they have. She has, what difference does it make? She doesn't know. But she needed to ask because she wants the fine print. Tell me everything. And a man, hey. Want to go eat? Yeah. We want it. Burger? Burger. Okay. <laughs> hey, we, had, we had burgers. What did you talk about? Stuff. What kind of stuff? Stuff. <laughs> How much does it cost? Well, the burger costs this. Where's your change? <laughs> Where's the receipt? <laughs> right? And guys go, uh, I didn't get a receipt. Why didn't you get a receipt? I, well, I didn't need one. We just ate burgers. I just had a burger. It was, you know, well, where's the receipt? I don't have a receipt. Where's the change? How much does it cost? Well, about, you should know you paid. You should know about. They gave you, gave them money. They gave you change. There, there was an amount. How much? That's how, that's, how, that's how we guys think. And women are more along the lines of fine line. I want to know what happened. Amen. I mean, that, you're looking at me like you're. All right. So, so we've got a, the casual living. Uh, Hebrews three seven makes a statement, and listen close to this. Hebrews chapter three verse seven, and uh, makes. I'll give you some time to turn there, and this will be the last verse for today, um, as I give this to you, and. Um, uh, Actually, go to 1 Samuel 3.10. Let me give you this verse. And I want to give it to you out of the message translation. 1 Samuel 3.10, verse 11. Uh, ver- chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. This is out of the message translation. Um, Samuel had, had been asleep. He was a young man. He was sleeping. And the Spirit of the Lord kept talking to him. So he went to his dad and said, I, Did you call me? He goes, No. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. He came back. So forth. And there was a conversation. So finally the instruction was given. And here we find this. Then God came and stood before him exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, speak. Listen close. I like the message translation. It says, I'm your servant. Ready to listen. I'm ready to listen. God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that's going to shake everyone up and get their attention. So before God does anything, He tells His people. He will tell His people before. And and so this is imperative that we understand God always speaks. If you're married, God's talking to you or wanting to talk to you. Share some things with you. And then, uh, husbands, God wants to talk to you about your family. God wants to talk to you about your wife. He wants to talk to you about your children. He wants to talk to you about your finances. He wants to talk to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to inform you of things to do. Come on, we've all been believing God for stuff. There's things that we, we say the verse of Scripture, Satan's going to pay me back seven times. And then, we, but then there's people, we don't see that return. Where is it? The other day when, when we were in prayer, um, uh, I, I looked outside and I was in the spirit praying. And I saw these vehicles pull into my driveway. They, weren't, they were there by the spirit. I saw them pull in. They stood outside. They just stood there. 
I said, I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, well, those are all the things you've been calling in and things that, that belong to you being restored to you. I said, well, and I said, well, what are those people doing? He said, well, they can't unload till you give permission. He said, the problem with a lot of people is he keeps saying, when am I, I, I believe I receive, I believe I receive, I believe I receive. And the, the, the spiritual deposit has already been there. They just haven't received it. And you've got to give a faith command. He said, not just your confession that you learned to make a few years ago and you learned to talk right. There's no authority in it. Speak it with authority. So once I started, to, I, learned, I learned, he said, you got to speak it with authority. So I started speaking with authority. See, some of us have gotten so used to speaking to things that we don't say it any longer. I, well, I believe I'm well. I believe I'm healed. I, but we don't press into that. We don't, we're not pressing in. So when we say it, it, there's no authority. You can tell. There's no authority in it. We, we know the verse. But there's no authority behind what we're saying in it. And we've got to speak it with authority. Yes, and it come, that authority is your authority. God given to you. Amen. And so we, we've got to realize that this, this particular uh, uh, development of our lives is where we're at. There's stuff that God, that God has for you. God told you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And it, but it's still yours. And you can't give up on it. You can't give up on it. A, a, a pastor, Todd was talking to a pastor, and he, he called me the other day, and he was saying, Pastor, this is what's going on in my life, and this is what happened. And the first thing I did is I locked myself in my office for, for a whole day, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I took my phone off the hook, just, and all I did was talk to God. All, all I did was pray. And he said, but this is coming on, and... and uh, and I said, well, can I tell you something? I said, I said I'm extremely proud of you. I said, why? Because the first thing you did was run to God. I said, that means that that challenge doesn't define you. What defines you is what you did. You went and locked yourself away from any other voice. And you refused to answer your phone from anybody. And you could hear from God. And he said, yeah, he goes, I came out of that. And the first thing I thought of was to call you. I said, well, here we are. I don't need to hear about the mess because I know you're blessed. So let me tell you how blessed you are. So for 15 minutes, I began to tell him. Joanne asked me a scripture yesterday. She goes, last night, she goes, what scripture could I use for this? I said, well, I've got 30 here. Which one do you want? Immediately, I could go through my spiritual Rolodex and give her 30. I said, if you use this one, found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and connected with Colossians, chapter 3, it's like they're holding hands. Those two go together. Or do you want one from this one? Or do you want one, you know? That's a Rolodex. Amen. Because some of you could do that with other things. I mean, you because know, of what you do for, this is what I do. I don't do this for a living. I, I do this because I'm called. What I do for a living is give. That's what I do for a living. I give. Amen. Amen. It's just important that I do that. I mean, that, that, that's how I live. I mean, I was showering yesterday, and the Lord said, call it in. I said, okay. Father, I thank you for $200 today. I just, I just believe I received $200. And so then I'm, you know, I shower, I get a text, and somebody 
put into uh, wire transferred into my account. Two hundred dollars. I got a shower. I'm sitting there. Two hundred dollars. Bing. So I send. So I send it to Joanne. Joanne went home. So so woke up this morning. I said, I'm just believing God for three hundred. So sitting here, I get a text from somebody that didn't come to church. or used to come 15 years ago. So the Lord told me to send this to you. And they had done it once before, uh, last year. I said, and the Lord told me, they woke up this morning, told me to send you $300. Wow. Thank you. Be specific. Good. See, I, my living is my giving. Amen. So, uh, with, with that in mind, listen, carefully, I'm getting ready to do something. Well, now, God's not getting ready. He already has. God's already doing something that will shake you to the core. Shake you to the core. And, get you, and to get your attention. Amen. Hear what the Lord spoke when He said, and Joanne recorded the whole thing. I don't know if we'll ever play it. But I, I didn't know she was up recording. I was, I was singing and I was, I was in my room and she recorded quite a bit of what was going on. And, and, I, he, and I was speaking for you, speaking to you, speaking about you, and decree and seeing what the Holy Ghost, he said, if some of them would just move just a little bit. Am I right? He said, sure. And I was crying, physically crying. Say, church. Just move just a little bit. Church, move just a little bit. And you'll go from ankle deep to knee deep. And for those of you that are knee deep, you'll go to waist deep. And for those of you that are waist deep, you'll go to shoulder. And for those of you that show, you'll begin to swim and be soaked in the manifestations and the glory. And I was crying this out, church, just move. A little bit. Respond just a little bit. And I can't. I, I was. I was in my room dancing. So he said, "Call so and so. Call so and so." I was calling people. That, uh, you know, just calling people. I think I, I did. I called Ed Sue, and she told me it was three o one. She's very accurate. <laughs> three a.m. 3.01 in the morning, and I called him, woke him up. I say, hello, did I say hi, I apologize I woke you up? No. I asked the Lord, I, said, I, I didn't even know what time. I said, well, I don't even know what time it is to wake him up. And he said, I have no clocks in my realm. Time's not relevant to me when I need to get something to somebody. I'll renew their strength. So I called them. As soon as I did, they got up and started praying in tongues. And, but that happened you know, with the individuals that I called. So why didn't you call me? I don't know. <laughs> Some of you, you just need a text. You don't want a voice. Some of you wouldn't have answered. It's 3 a.m. Does anybody really know what time it is? Because I was walking down the street one day. 
you don't know what I'm talking about, about talking about Chicago song. Uh, does anybody really know what time it is? <laughs> oh, we could go with the Isley, but the time has come today. And so, we, you know, we could go there. But When the Spirit of God is, is, is dealing with us, we've got to be prepared. Yeah. Relationships are so important. And, and, and sometimes these relationships, when you get over in this, the real worship, real prayer, real prayer warriors, real intercession, real Holy Ghost moves of God, real services that teach you about God, for many are scary. It's it, because they're not used to it. They're not used to it. They used to call us holy rollers. See, I was an original hippie. Some of you in here were original hippies. Hippies never really wore tie-dye. Just just clarify. That came after fact. But real hippies didn't wear tie-dye. That was an after, after, that was a marketing thing that the people did. That wasn't, people didn't do that. And so in the, in the church, for a church, we grew up with songs. And songs that talked to us about where we were going. And talked to us about holiness. And righteousness. Talked to us about being filled with the Holy Ghost. It didn't, today's songs talk to us about God's creation. Trees and water. Sky. And they'll mention how much God loves us. And then tell us how much we're going through. But we, we so I'm, I'm very alert to wordings. So well, what's his new style? God doesn't have a style. He's just righteous. He's holy. Amen. And, we, and, and so some of us most don't know, you know. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Man, Jack Hafer wrote that song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. That does something to you rather than trees, trees, ocean and water. There's just something about those items. Amen? These are just things that we grew up in, friendships. And the friends that we had in ministry, many of them are in heaven today. That taught us. That ministered to us. And people don't know them and don't want to know their names. And Well, we knew them. We had the privilege of knowing them. And they taught us. And we grew in that. Amen. So we have our own Holy Ghost adventures in our rooms and in our house. So we walk around. Where there's peace that passes understanding. Amen. Amen. Stuff where, where things happen in the Spirit of God. 
Man, I, I loved it. I remember when we lived in Norwalk. A, a major earthquake happened in Whittier, California. And, and we were, and we were, where that? We didn't even know it happened. The only reason we found out is because people banging on our door and bringing their children and putting their children in our house. This is the safest place on the block. Put their children in our house. And then they ran back to their home. All their dishes had broken. Cabinets, windows were broken. Uh, foundations were shaken. Nothing moved in our house. And kids are all in our house. We woke up and kids, they put their kids for safety. Man, our children didn't wake up. They woke up because they found other kids in there. So they thought this is playtime. Everybody got up and play. I mean, you know. Ask Joanne. Joanne chased a woman who asked her for some money to buy heroin. And she said, it's not Jesus' name I'm giving you that. I mean, she lived down the street from the block. And Joanne took off running. The woman took off running. Joanne chased her. Joanne chased her down the street. She ran in her house. Joanne opened the door ran in after her. She ran past her mother and ran into her bedroom. Joanne ran past her mother and opened up that door and jumped her on the bed. <laughs> Laid hands on her, got her saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Got her delivered. Yeah. We, we were dancing in our bedroom. It sounds, sounds strange. No music. We're just dancing to the Spirit of God in our room. And I yelled out, you don't, you know, for those of you that don't know, my wife had her toe amputated in 2015. And the Spirit of the Lord said, you don't need a toe to dance. You just need a holy unction. And she was dancing all over the bedroom floor, just dancing there in the in our bed, and I'm dancing in the room too. They think we're strange. It's okay. We're still in love. We're going to heaven. And guess what? We are one excited family. So we didn't. We so we came here today just to say God loves you, and and God is for you, and will never back you down. Watch your friendship. Watch your words. Watch that. Don't allow unforgiveness in your heart, as Joanne said. Go after people. Love them. Don't give up on crazy. Don't give up on drama. If they're dramatic and all that stuff, don't give up on them. God loves them. Doesn't mean you got to bring it into your home and let it live with you. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus.